0: Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Denise and I have been discussing various healing modalities throughout the last several months. And this week we thought we'd talk about sound healing, which has been used throughout the ages to help us get into a better and more balanced vibration state. So we're going to be discussing different sound therapy modalities you can use to enhance your own life. Now, if we think about sound healing, you have to go back and back and back through history. Shamans would go into altered states of consciousness through drumming, singing, and chanting. And I think we all feel the connection of music and dancing in our own lives. We can understand the way songs link us to memory and emotions. But now science is starting to prove how frequency and vibrations can help us with stress, pain, and deepen our connection to spirit and ourselves. Now, Denise is a lot better at understanding this than I am. (laughs) We're going to get a little science-y at different points here, so bear with me. But the way I understand it is that when our brain hears sound waves, they are converted into electrical signals. And these electrical signals travel up an auditory nerve and induce positive responses in our bodies, which help us to feel more balanced, centered, and whole. And so, a lot of recent science is starting to prove that sound therapy can help us with issues like stress, ADD, anxiety, PTSD symptoms, headaches, sleep issues, pain, and depression. That's a lot of information, Denise. What do you have to say about that?
1: I don't know how much more I'll be able to explain this in a sciencey way, but we can try. <laughs> One of the things that I found was a really cool website that had a lot of information that might be helpful for folks. It's soundhealingglobalsummit.com. And there are all kinds of practitioners. There's information. I believe it's an online free program that you can uh, listen to the different things. But even if you go on just to explore the different modalities of sound healing and what these different practitioners are bringing to the table, it can be really, really helpful. And again, that's soundhealingglobalsummit.com. From what I understand, sound healing... You know, everything, we always talk about this that everything is energy. Well, with sound healing, every living being is in a state of vibration. So, if we just switch the word energy for vibration, that to me makes it a simple jump over to how sound healing really works. And when you're in harmony with the parts of yourself or your environment, the resonance of your vibratory frequency is low. So, when there's dissonance or something that causes disease or upset in your field, that's where this this sound therapy can come in and help balance things out a little bit. And then some people go way airy-fairy with this and other people go to the science. I like to ride that middle rail. Yeah, I do too. In everything. I think balance in everything. Uh, But the concept of resonance, you know, that vibratory frequency of an object. And we've said that, that You know it doesn't matter if it's you or me or a pet or a plant or or even uh something that's stationary it it vibrates at a certain frequency so sound measures in frequency or hertz and frequency is the rate per second of vibration that consists of a sound wave and that's even going a little too far into the science for me and someone who's listening to this shaking their head and saying this is so basic what's wrong with these women but (laughs) we're trying right (laughs)
0: Yes, we're trying to understand how this ancient technology actually works. I read a really good article by Sophia Cosma, and she talks about entrainment. And I kept coming across that word when I was doing research for this show. She said that sound helps to accelerate rapid shifts in our brainwave states by using entrainment. Entrainment is when a weaker vibration meets a stronger one and causes it to synchronize and transform itself into the vibratory pattern of the stronger tone. A harmonious sound projected at a person who is in a state of disharmony will eventually bring them into resonance with the harmonious sound by using frequency and pace we can entrain our brainwaves to shift from a normal beta state to an alpha relaxed brainwave state, and then even further to reach a meditative state of theta and then delta. This is what meditation practice does, but with sound, it is the frequency and vibration that is the medium that causes the shift. If I were to put that in my own words, if we're vibrating, let's say vibrations go from zero to 10, let's just pretend it's that easy. Mm -hmm. And you're vibrating at a three because you've had a crappy week and your boss is on your neck all the time and you've got a jam packed weekend of stuff you don't want to do coming up as well. So you're just kind of vibrating low at a three. And then you listen to this harmonious, perfectly balanced, beautiful music that vibrates at a 10. Somehow through the process of entrainment, that makes your vibrating energy of a three Lift all the way up to a 10 because your brain is always seeking harmony and balance. And I thought that was just a really neat explanation of sound therapy. And then I started reading that, okay, we know that everything vibrates at a certain frequency or sound. Well, the universe vibrates. The universe has an energy field. We have an energy field. Our energy is constantly working to maintain a sense of balance with the universal energy field. Meditation and positive living help us to do this, but sound therapy does too, because all methods of sound healing produce tones that help us get in alignment through this process of entrainment with the universe's energy field.
1: Right. And on a simplistic level, just think about how different we feel depending on the music we listen to. So you're, you're playing something upbeat and fun, and you want to dance, and your energy goes through the roof, you're feeling a little more melancholy, you put on something softer, quieter, and, it, and it, I mean, it, even at that simplistic level, that's a good example of how, as physical beings, we react so strongly to vibration and tone. And this goes back to Pythagoras, you know, who prescribed music as medicine, asserting that musical intervals are clear expressions of sacred geometry. And his theory is that music is the phenomenon of numbers in time, reflecting the structures of nature and has the power to restore balance in an organism, which brings it back to that key word about balance. And that seems to be the goal with all of these modalities. They've also done studies that this has been effective in lessening tremors in people with Parkinson's, uh, calming autistic adults, bringing safety and peace to homeless shelter residents, It's very, very useful in mental health facilities and with people with cognitive Alzheimer's, dementia. So it's something we can all do that doesn't mean you have to go have it done to you. You can do some of these things on your own. It's not just auditory. And I think that that's an important part of this is, Vibroacoustic therapy uses audible sound vibrations to improve health and reduce stress. But sp- speakers are embedded in recliners, mattresses, special mats to transmute the music and sound vibrations directly to the body. And it's not just auditory because this could, be, this could be coming up through your legs. And it's an excellent example of the fact that vibration, when we hear the word sound, a lot of times we think it has to be auditory but this is is showing that it's it is more it's equally about the vibration and not just uh what we hear with our ears.
0: Right, that's a really good point. Well, you know, if you if you look at Dr. Emoto's work, messages in the water and if you look at his book or I think you can YouTube it. He has taken photos of what happens to water when it's exposed to heavy metal or rap or classical music or the Gregorian chants. And you can see how the water vibrates at different patterns. And then I think about how, like, didn't the CIA use certain types of music to, like, terrorize, not terrorize people, but to get people to confess? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it, I think it, there's it a really time and a place for all music though. Like I'm, I'm not going to give up my, like I have, I, I'm such a weird person when it comes to music, Denise. Like I love classical music and jazz, mm-hmm. but I, you, my playlist, I have fun and chill and meditative and workout. Like I have all these different playlists and I think there's a time and a place for all music. You know what I mean? So even when I see like, oh, heavy metal makes water do this, I still like to listen to some of it. I love rap. I just think there's a time and a place. And I think to pay attention to your body and to see how your body responds to different types of sounds and music is a start to look at how sound therapy in a more traditional sense can work for you.
1: Yes. Very, very well stated.
0: Well, I don't know about that, but (laughs) (laughs) all right. Well, let's talk about some of these modalities that people can use. I think one of the most common ones we're familiar with, I don't want to say all of us listening, but I think most of us have walked through a world market store and seen a singing bowl. They've been around for over 5,000 years, according to some sources. There are two types of singing bowls. There's the Tibetan singing bowl, which is made of metal. And there's crystal singing bowls, which are made of quartz. The tones emitted by these bowls are said to help release hormones and neurochemicals that help us get into deeper brainwave states of consciousness. Singing bowls help us do this due to something called sympathetic resonance, which occurs when two things vibrate at the same rate. So your body will fall into resonance with the sound of the singing bowl, which helps to lift and raise your vibration. And this helps our cellular functioning and elevates mood levels too. Now, something that's interesting, I did not really know this until I started looking into, I've always had a Tibetan singing bowl, but I really wanted a crystal singing bowl. They're kind of pricey. So I kept putting it off because I spend enough money on crystals. But then for my birthday this year, I'm like, you know what, I'm getting myself a singing bowl. Well, you can get singing bowls that are tuned to different chakras. So every chakra resonates to a different musical note. Like your root chakra is to see, your crown chakra is to be. I decided to get a third eye chakra singing bowl. And I didn't really think about it when I bought it. I just was like, oh, third eye, great. And I put it in the cart and I bought it. And when it arrived at my door and I took it out and I rang the bowl with the mallet, we'll talk about that in a minute, my girls and I both said, we all said at the same time, we could feel it vibrating in our head. Mm -hmm. So then I got a solar plexus singing bowl because I'm like, there's no way. And when I would ring the solar plexus one, we could all feel it in our stomach. And I don't know, I just thought that was so crazy. It was such proof that this actually works.
1: Sound bathing is what they call it. And some people do it with the singing bowls, they do it with gongs, they do it with the Tibetan singing bowls. There's a lady here in Maine who is incredibly, incredibly gifted at playing the bowls. And she has one for each of your chakras plus the higher chakras. She sits in a semicircle and plays the bowls and she does an introduction and a group meditation. And I've brought two friends with me on separate occasions, and they both really didn't like it. One woman told me if she'd been able to run out of the room screaming, she would have she said it was pain her her words she said it was painful for me to be there. Another lady that I brought on a different occasion said a similar thing, and she said I could listen to some of them, but others felt like it was just too much i I couldn't process it so I wonder if you have a really blocked chakra, if that makes a difference with the resonance, or if you have maybe an issue you're trying to to work through, if it makes the sound therapy feel aversive rather than supportive.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's kind of like those women I was talking about a couple of months ago on the show, who every time at the end of the yoga class when it gets to Shavasana and you have to sit in corpse pose for five minutes, they just run out of there Mm -hmm. because they can't handle sitting still for five minutes. I think if you're not at that level of being ready to be tuned to these vibrations, it's not going to feel really great to you. Kind of like the first time you might have tried broccoli. Like I remember as a kid, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is disgusting. Why is my mom serving me little trees? Now it's my favorite vegetable.
1: Oh, that's so funny. It might
0: be like that, like you're not ready for it.
1: But they're also on, you can buy them online and they're not expensive. They have the chakra drums and they're these little pan drums that you hit with a mallet, but each little spot is aligned with a different chakra. So you just kind of go boom 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 boom. And... I had got one for my son, and he was playing it, and he's just naturally musical, so it sounded like something. I was just banging on it like a chimp, which was not. uh, (laughs) But it just, oh, my gosh, I went instant zen. I was just, I loved the sound, the tone, it reverberated. So I think another part of the sound therapy thing or the sound healing is your propensity as an individual to be responsive to it. Like some of us, are, are, it's going to impact us more than others. But that's kind of a fun thing if you can play with one of those because it's similar to the bowls for me as far as really vibrating on those frequencies.
0: Right. Well, if you wanted to try a singing bowl, you can get a Tibetan metal singing bowl. I think the cheapest one I've seen is like $30. The crystal bowls tend to start around 150 or $200. So a Tibetan singing bowl might be the way to go if you just want to try this and see if it works for you. And you just place the mallet that it comes with on the outside of the rim, and you run it along in a circle with your whole arm. And you want to get just a gliding, smooth, continuous motion until this long, continuous tone is emitted. And they recommend that you listen to or play your own singing bowl for 10 to 12 minutes a day and this has been shown to get you into that theta brain state that we need for meditation and balance more easily. Now, one study even showed that if you do this for 10 minutes a day, it helps reduce blood pressure. So listening to singing bowls helps with many things in our lives, and it also helps to keep our chakras in balance.
1: And again, I know I promote this this free app a lot, but on Insight Timer, they do have free meditations for crystal bowls. There are cds you can download you can find them on youtube there's and as we talk a little bit more about different frequencies and what they do you can find free resources to practice with this at home and see is this something that really works for me and then it may be wow i love this i want to invest in some some equipment or go see a certified music therapist for for more help in this field
0: now i also use my singing bowl to cleanse my crystals I'll put a crystal in the bowl and then I'll put the mallet around outside and ring it until, you know, the whole bowl is vibrating. And that helps to clean the energy of the crystal. And you can use it to clean and lift the energy of your home too. Just go throughout each room.
1: Ringing tinkly bells will do that too if you want to clear space energy. Again, yeah. The sound thing is you ring a little hand bell and it'll clear space a bit as well.
0: Clapping um, your hands will do that too. hmm Should we move on to binaural beats? Yes, we should. Okay. So this is something that (laughs) gained importance, I think, more in the 1970s. And it's a binaural beat occurs when one tone is played in one ear and a different tone is played in the other ear. So you have to listen to binaural beats with headphones on. Now, when you have one tone playing in your left ear and a different tone playing in your right ear, The two hemispheres of the brain connect, and they create a third internal tone called a binaural beat. And this binaural beat synchronizes the left and right sides of your brain. If your left ear, for example, receives a 300 hertz tone, and your right ear receives a 280 hertz tone, your brain will process and absorb a 10 hertz tone. You can't audibly hear this new tone, but your brain is still affected by it. Listening to this new low-frequency tone slows down our brainwave activity, which helps us relax and fall asleep more easily. When our brain hears these low-frequency sounds through entrainment, these sounds shift us into deeper brainwave states. It's recommended that you try binaural beats for 15 minutes a day for one month to see the full effect. And I just think that's an important reminder a lot of people think, oh well, if I just listen to this binaural beat thing, you know, on my on my headphones one night, I'll have a great night's sleep tonight. Oh, it didn't work. That sucks. Moving on. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff, it's not like taking a pill prescribed by your doctor. It's natural, holistic. So it's going to take a little bit longer for you to see
1: the effects. Exactly, and I think that that you know segues beautifully into solfagio frequencies, which are an ancient six-tone scale thought to be used in separate music and it's similar to what's used in the Gregorian chants. This origin can be traced back to a medieval hymn by John the Baptist and it holds that mathematical resonance which goes back to what we said earlier about Pythagoras is that there's, there's math behind this. The six solfeggio frequencies, they start out with 396 hertz and it aligns with the do re mi scale. And I read some of the notes that you had sent as well. And I think that's fascinating because it just shows that so many of these healing modalities have been progressive over the years and someone comes along and makes it more simplified for the times, but it still goes back to that original pattern of why, why people were doing it to begin with. But supposedly, and I'm I'm saying using these words like supposedly and probably because it isn't a defined, there is science to back this up. And if anyone who's listening is a music therapist or practices sound healing, I'm sure they can send us some notes and let us know more specifics. What they're saying at 396 hertz, this is about liberating guilt and fear. So if that's something you're working on in your life, to listen to that sound at that frequency is going to help you release those feelings of guilt and fear. And, and that's a pretty base level. At 417 hertz, it's undoing situations and facilitating change. I mean, I can just read through the list. Do you want to add any comments on this as we go? Or do you want me just to go through the list?
0: Well, no, I want you to continue going through the list, but I wanted to read a quote from the notes I sent you because I sent them to you because I don't really understand what I wrote. So this (laughs) this is what... This is what I read in an article from Power Thoughts Meditation Club, that the Salfeggio scale was rediscovered by Dr. Joseph Barber, who's said to have been guided intuitively to find a pattern of six repeating codes in the book of Numbers. He found in chapter 7, verse 12 through 83, number references that when deciphered using a numerological technique could be reduced to a single digit. This revealed a series of six electromagnetic sound frequencies, which he determined to be the six missing tones of the ancient solfeggio scale. And this original scale was the one used by the Gregorian monks. And I've, I have read for years in my metaphysical studies That if you just play the Gregorian chants in your home, you will clear, you don't have to sage your house basically. Like you will clear your home of negativity. That there's just something very mystical about listening to the Gregorian chants. Mm -hmm. And then to read this, I was like, huh, I don't know. I found that interesting that he was guided to find this in the book of numbers and reduced it numerologically. And and then the other information I found quoted Tesla, who said 369, if you understand the meaning of the numbers 369, you'll understand the mysteries of the universe. I don't know. But it goes
1: back to what it is, because it goes back to things being based on math again, which is, you know, my older son said when he was a little tiny guy, math. I love math. Math is true numbers are true, and it, there, to make that connection between these numbers and the frequency, there is a link there that I think is way over my head, but it makes sense. If that, <laughs> it, Even though I don't completely understand it, it makes sense to me on a core level that they would base this on these numbers and the frequencies of these numbers. Plus, I mean, kind of a jump, but not really, in my interconnected theory is numerology and the power of numbers. So why wouldn't sound healing and frequency be involved with that as well?
0: Exactly. All right, go back to your list. So 396 hertz releases fear, 417 hertz eases and initiates change. And just so before you continue with the list, a hertz is, is a, so, so sound is a wave, a movement of air molecules that our brain translates into sound. These waves are measured by how many times they complete a cycle in a second so hertz is measured as one cycle per second so when denise is saying 396 hertz that's what she's talking about all right so go ahead with the salvageo frequency scale
1: 528 hertz is transformations and miracles it's about dna repair and that's another whole field that we've talked about doing a show on is epigenetics dna residual memories that are passed down through generations so what they're saying is that this hurts, that's the depth you're going is at 528. At 639, it's connecting in relationships. That seems to be a prevalent theme right now for a lot of people, whether it's with friendships, family of origin, partnerships. We're, uh, my my personal opinion, I think we're doing a lot of healing right now that has been carried over for many lifetimes. And if sound healing or listening to a specific frequency can help put some things to rest or elevate that. I'm more than willing to try it. Do you agree with that, that we're all going through a lot of shifts with with relationships and, and transitional stuff right now?
0: Yes, I do. I think that we are experiencing a shift in the universal consciousness and it's affecting all of us.
1: Yes. 741 Expressions and Solutions. So this again, and I don't know enough about what hurts that would be, but it's it's a higher vibration if if it's 741. Is that where you're gonna jumpstart your creativity? Is that where you're going to find the words you need to say to someone? Is that where you're going to you know just start to to get the clarity on what you want to write? I mean, I just it fascinates me and I after even after the show I'm gonna dive deeper down the rabbit hole with this because I think it's it's very, very interesting. And then the highest hurts that they list is 852 returning to spiritual order. So even if you look at this, step back and look at these, it's, it's that hierarchy of it's starting out with letting go of guilt and fear, undoing situations and, and initiating change, transformation in miracles, connecting in relationships, expressions and solutions, and then returning to spiritual order, which is that cyclical pattern we're all trying to follow with all the healing modalities we're using but we have to get rid of that fear and guilt before we can move on to the next level. Right.
0: Exactly. So how do people use these Solfeggio frequencies? You can go on YouTube and listen to them. You can purchase MP3s that have meditations that are recorded to these different frequencies you can just put them on and play them throughout your home while you're going throughout your day, or you can listen to them while you're doing meditations.
1: We had mentioned guided meditations. Often we'll have this in the background, but if you're listening to someone's voice, and that, that's another form of sound healing. So a lot of us will listen to guided meditations to the, the soft music in the background and that voice, and that helps us to strengthen that imagery and to bring in change and reduce stress. It's a very useful way. A lot of us have already used sound healing.
0: Well, you know how I'm fascinated by near-death experience stories? hmm If you read a lot of them like I have, they often mention the sound of the universe they'll, or they'll mention the sound of God. And Dr. Eben Alexander talks a lot about this in his near-death experience. And he's actually working to create more sounds that remind him of what he heard when he was in that dimension. And he talks about these frequencies and he talks about the binaural beats and it's kind of like a humming. And so he's, he's creating some MP3s that, that sound pretty interesting to me to help us get back into that feeling of kind of like that spiritual homecoming at 852 hertz.
1: Did you read anything on when they were talking about uh, ingestation at 16 weeks, eardrums are formed? and that the sound of a mother's heartbeat in the womb is so loud but it emits a certain frequency for that baby in utero who is developing and that it starts I, I thought that that was interesting as well so it was also going back to how much sound plays a part during gestation remember they had that thing where people were putting headphones on their bellies when they were yes,
0: pregnant yes
1: yes and didn't i remember do that, by the you way. could
0: um <laughs> you could have your heartbeat recorded and put it in a little teddy bear. I don't know if they yes. still do that, but I, yeah, I, I can, I will always remember for the rest of my life when Olivia was born, she came out crying a lot and you know, the doctors were doing their thing and all I wanted to do was hold her, but they had to clear her nasal passageways and all of that. And we had already named her the month before and she was still in my belly. So she's crying. And I said, Olivia, don't worry, mommy's here. I'll hold you soon. And as soon as I said, Olivia, she stopped crying. Oh, oh, that gives me willies. I know. And I I just, oh, I I just fell so in love with that. I was already in love with her. But you know, it was just that moment of, oh my God, she knows me. It was so (laughs) neat. (laughs) So anyway, okay, so you can listen to all of those things. What I love about so much of this sound therapy for lazy people like me, it's easy. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was just talking to a friend that I've had lunch with a friend yesterday and she's been dealing with some migraines. And I just went to the library over the weekend and I got an old book. It was published in like 1975. It's called The Relaxation Response. Really, really great read. You can flip through it in like three hours. It was written by a Harvard MD who was reading about the Beatles getting into transcendental meditation, and he was like, does this really work? So he started doing all this research on meditation, and to his surprise, discovered, yeah, it actually does work, and it does all the things it purports to do. It lowers blood pressure and decreases headaches and induces better sleep states. Reduces anxiety, depression, helps people walk away from addiction. So, a lot of the book is just charts of the reports and studies that he did. But anyway, I'm telling my friend about this, and she's like, Well, how do you do the relaxation response? And I said, It's really kind of easy. You just have to sit. He recommends you sit with your back straight, upright, and you pick a word. It doesn't have to be a mantra that some guru gives you, it can be any word. It could be love, it could be the number seven. It doesn't matter. You just pick a word. And you breathe that word in, and you exhale that word out. And you just do that for 10 minutes a day, twice a day. And she goes, that's a lot. I got to sit and focus on a word for 10 minutes in the morning and then find 10 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, but it really is nice and it helps. And she's like, yeah, I'll think about it. (laughs) And I thought, you know, I think for some busy people, finding 20 minutes a day to sit in silence, that is hard. Don't you think so? Mm-hmm. You know, those yes. busy seasons of your life. But having this gentle healing music playing in the background, I don't think that's hard.
1: No, because you don't have to just be sitting in saying, oh, you can be doing other things while you're listening to this. Especially in the, I, I think you can. For me personally, I listen to these types of things when I'm walking the dogs. It's just to calm down a little bit. I, I, I think that it, it depends on how, what, Again, I think this is another example of do what works best for you because on some level, you know how this is best going to work for you.
0: Well, here's what I would like to ask listeners. What is the soundtrack of your life?
1: Oh my. Because
0: (laughs) I remember like growing up, I could could tell time by my mom watching TV. Mm -hmm. Like my mom watched so much TV. Four o'clock was Oprah, five o'clock was Current Affair six o'clock was the news, seven o'clock was entertainment tonight, eight o'clock was the Lifetime movie, 10 o'clock was her crime shows. Like that was the soundtrack of my life growing up in childhood was the TV. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm like some freaking Martha Stewart amazing mom, but I don't, I don't foster a lot of TV watching with my kids on the weekends. You're free, do what you want, you know, but during the week, like when we come home from school and we eat snack and go outside. And then after dinner, I will play this soft music and we'll just do homework or read or talk. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, you know, kind of proud that TV won't be the soundtrack of their childhood.
1: That's a very good way to put it. And it makes me think about soundtracks and I think it varied depending on what was going on in my family of origin Or in my own life as a young adult and as an older adult. Because it's, you know how you'll get certain, for me, music has always been a part of my life. My father played guitar. I recently started to listen to music I hadn't listened to in quite a few years. And you put it on and it instantly brings you back to that time and place.
0: Yeah, it's like a time machine.
1: Exactly. And I think that that can be incredibly healing because it, my own personal thing as an intuitive... I think I'm being drawn to that music to heal a part of something from that time frame that was left unfinished. So I'm going back and revisiting and it's fun and, you know, have fun with it. That's the thing. Music is about raising your vibration. And if you talk to people that play music, they can't not play music because they are do. I, I believe this in my soul. They're doing their own form of healing when they play. And a true musician that can change the energy of a room with how they play, they're doing this naturally and organically. They are, In my heart, they're doing sound therapy.
0: I agree. You know, when I was doing research, they have actually looked at musicians' brains. And you can mm-hmm. tell a musician by different areas of their brain. I think that's really fascinating. Now, I've, I first read about, just jumping back to binaural beats real quick, I first read about binaural beats when I was looking into uh, Robert Monroe's work, mm-hmm. who did all the astral travel studies and created the Monroe Institute and wrote journeys out of the body. And I think he was one of the men behind the whole binaural beat movement in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken, And so I think you can also use sound healing not only to bring your body into vibration and your mood levels up, but also to help you with inner journeying, to connect with your spirit, your guides, your angels, and the other side. And I think that goes back to the shamans that we mentioned at the beginning of the show. I know you have a lot more experience with that than I do. Could you talk a little bit about how sound helps with shamanism?
1: I learned to journey with a drumbeat. So, and from what I've experienced and from what I've learned and heard from people who were instructing these, that they mimic the heartbeat with with the pace of the drumbeat. So it it puts you into almost an instant meditative state. And other people have said that that drumbeat is resonant with the heartbeat of the earth. And that's why we're able to go into that State so easily is because it's bringing us in closer resonance with the earth energy oh that makes sense yeah and for me uh that type of of energy work of journeying is very different than some of the other things because of the connection to the earth the connection to how old it is and and i've said this a lot for some people it truly resonates and for some it doesn't so uh it's something to explore though but learning to journey i think is a very very useful tool
0: Now, another type of sound therapy people can try um, are tuning forks. And these can be used on meridian points or over the chakras to help get the body's energy system back into balance. I've worked with tuning forks. I find them fascinating. You can actually YouTube tuning forks from a physics point of view and look at the science behind how they work, which is really interesting to look at and see it you know, in, in a visual way to watch how the vibration and the sound produced from a tuning fork can affect water, can affect um, energy. But you can use a tuning fork in different ways. Each tuning fork is tuned to the sound of, of a chakra. So you can get tuning forks that are tuned to each of your seven chakras and you can tap the fork. You wanna tap it over a hard surface. I like to use my elbow. So that's just how I was, I took one little workshop in it, and that's how we were taught. And then you circle the tuning fork over the corresponding chakra, and that helps to bring the body and that chakra center back into balance. But you can also use tuning forks to clear and charge your water. And and that's something I like to do a lot when I'm drinking water throughout the day. I'll just take my tuning fork and I'll just bang it on my elbow, which I know that sounds weird as I'm saying it now, but it's a hard surface.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you
0: just put it into the water and you can see the water kind of bubble up for a minute as it's receiving the energy from the tuning fork. Have oh, you used Interesting. Tuning?
1: I haven't, but I love sound. So I am fascinated with this.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a neat thing to try. And I, I think the water tastes better. Is that, you know, me thinking that because I, I'm thinking that is a placebo? I don't know, but I think the water tastes better
1: well and i think we've just mentioned a whole lot of things the tuning forks the singing bowl the tibetan bowls the the guided imagery the uh meditations on youtube or on you know cds that you can listen to the different frequencies and and work on those things but there's also traditional music therapy which is making a huge huge uh surge right now with uh even on a practical level a lot of insurances are covering music therapy as a, a healing modality now which is great and there's a couple of like neurological music therapy is known to reduce stress and promote relaxation and it, in some there's some, been some studies that have shown that it's more effective than prescription drugs in reducing anxiety before surgery. But this is, this was a study published in 2017 that that said 30 minutes of music therapy combined with traditional care after spinal surgery literally reduced the pain. the, The point of this neurological music therapy is creating, listening, singing, and moving to music can be used for physical rehab, pain management, brain injuries. The preschool where I worked for the little folks that had autism They had a music therapist come in and to watch the difference in the language development with the children who worked with the music therapist. They would work one-on-one with each of the children and then they would do language activities. And it was amazing. Like the increased eye contact, the the increased verbalization of some of the kids that had behavioral issues due to their frustrational levels, they would have more uh, be more compliant with, with being able to follow directions. I mean, it was really kind of fascinating to see how almost instantaneous it was, and they loved it. It was fun for them. The Bonnie method is named after Dr. Helen L. Bonnie. And that's again, similar to the guided imagery and classical music to help explore personal growth, consciousness, and transformation. Another study that was done in 2017 showed promising evidence that a series of sessions could improve psychological and physiological health in adult with with medical and mental health needs. And Personally, having worked in a field with a lot of folks with behavioral and emotional issues for so many years, music in the background can be an amazing, amazing elixir for folks that are struggling with with behavioral or or mental health issues. And uh, The last one I wanted to mention was the Nordoff Robbins, which this has taken it to the next level and goes back to what I said about this being covered by insurances and such. This is delivered by skilled musicians who complete the Nordoff Robbins two years master's program. And they use music familiar to patients to create new music together, work toward a performance. It's used by children with with developmental disabilities and their parents, mental health, learning difficulties, autism, dementia, and other conditions. And way, way back in the day, I taught at a preschool in Oregon. And it was a really cool place and it was, half of the little people were identified and half weren't. And I loved working, it was three to five-year-olds because they don't see the disability and they didn't see the differences. They just were all kids playing. But even way back then, they were using the, the importance of using music therapy to, in a teaching modality. You know, you, you hit the drum and you do the alphabet or you do songs. Or, and when you think back to how many of the songs we teach little kids in, in early grades, we can all sing those right now, right off the top of our heads, because music builds that bridge to learning so beautifully.
0: It's so true. You know, we had a charter school that started in our town years ago, and their test scores were great and through the roof. And, and a lot of the teachers who worked there thought it was because they had classical music piped throughout the school. You know, just playing very softly. And do you remember as a kid, sometimes a teacher would play calming music in a classroom at different points throughout the year. And it would just kind of make everyone calm down. I always wonder why more teachers don't do that. I remember like in the fifth grade, I had this teacher I really liked. And when we did social studies, she'd introduce a chapter. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the chapter was always this little do you know section. And mm-hmm. it was just a reading comp questions. And every time we would get to that section, she, would, she had the most beautiful voice. And she would sing that song. She'd walk up and down the aisles singing, do you know where you're going to? You know that? I can't sing, mm-hmm. obviously, So, but it's an old song. And I would just calm down Mm -hmm. and every time that I hear that song on the radio which they don't play as much anymore but I will instantly go into that calm relaxed state because I remember being in that classroom with that kind teacher as she sang that beautiful song
1: can't you instantly jump back to rocking your baby in the middle of the night feeding your baby at two o'clock in the morning and you instinctively start to rock and hum or sing softly
0: yes yes
1: Those are precious memories.
0: I know. I would. I would always sing the Mockingbird song, and then, of course, Eminem made his own version, and it cracks me up to think about it now. (laughs) Because at the end, he's he when, when it gets to the line about how you know, and if it's not a diamond, he's like, I'll make him swallow every bleep bleep carrot. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what children's song I do not like? What? You are my sunshine. Really? I don't like that song, You Are My Only Sunshine. Like, I'm putting such a lot of expectation on a
1: kid. (laughs) I never, ever would have thought of that. It always, I've
0: never sung that song to my kids. But I, I have made up a song for each of my children. Oh. And they all have their own.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Now that they're teenage girls, do you ever still sing them?
0: Oh, yeah. And they'll ask me to.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh, see, that's yeah. sweet.
0: Yeah. It's fun. Olivia's is like a little short and fun. Tori's is too, Oh, Christmas Tree. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, Tor- Oh Victoria, oh, Victoria, how your money loves you so. Oh. And then Chloe's is too, A Little Bear Song.
1: That is anyway. so beautiful.
0: Yeah, and they love it. And they'll go, can you sing me my Chloe song? Oh, But I never did sing. That's precious. I never did sing, You Are My Sunshine.
1: (laughs) That was off the books. That's not off the books.
0: You're not my only sunshine. Like, go shine yourself. I'll shine too. We'll shine together. But you're not in charge of lighting me up. I don't like that. That's my personal
1: opinion. This is kind of a shameless plug, but not really. There is a young couple in New York who are. They're both music therapists and they've started a YouTube channel and they also have a website. Their names are Ben and Anna and the name of their band is Ben Anna, B-E-N-A-N-N-A. And they are doing some fabulous, fabulous videos and activities and it's geared towards preschoolers. It's very fun. It's very upbeat. It's all about raising the vibration, but also, as a teaching tool. It's it's a wonderful thing to check out if you have small children at home, if you work with small children, but it's also really showcases how much you can do with music to help little kids learn and to literally just to enjoy life more. Really worth checking out.
0: So we just invite everyone to look into this a little bit more deeply in their own life, but also just go throughout this week and think about that question. What is the soundtrack of your life? Is it constant noise from a television? Is it constant noise from your inner self talk? Is it constant chaos from a phone ringing or beeping or texts coming in or loud music blaring or people pulling on you? How much silence is your life? Cause let's not discount that silence has its own sound. And silence is very healing and therapeutic for me. How much silence is in your life? How much healing harmonious music is in your life? And just consider, at least try falling asleep a couple of nights a week this month to binaural beats or Tibetan singing bowls playing over your your speakers. Just give it a try and see if you feel better in the morning. See if it deepens your meditative state. And then you can try to look into some of these other modalities like the tuning forks or the singing poles.
1: It does work. And I think as empaths, some of us are highly, highly sensitive to noise or need to have white noise in the background to sleep. Or if you find that as a highly sensitive person and an empath that you, you are super sensitive to, to sounds or noises or needing that time of complete silence, this may really be some modalities you want to check into.
0: And if you are a sound therapist or a music therapist, feel free to email us and let us know what we got right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Just do so gently because we are sensitive empaths and we're trying, (laughs) (laughs) but we would love to hear from you. Don't forget that we have our Community Connection show coming up in October. So if you have a question or a story you'd like to share with us, you can email us. empaths at gmail.com or you can message us at Facebook. We are there under Enlightened Empaths. Well, we hope this has been helpful for you, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Don't forget, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.